guests should not be concerned with how was this created. They should just be in in the experience and enjoying it. So we don't want them to really think about, um, you know, it's funny, looking back to when I started going to theme parks, I never really thought about, you know, wow, who created the sound or how did this get here? I just know, knew that I loved it and I was having such a great time in the experience. And that's what we really want to do. We want to, we want the guests just to let go, not have to think about how was something created, but just experience it and, and, um, and, and fall in love with it. Welcome to the Attraction Pros Podcast, where we discuss the latest trends and challenges facing the attractions industry today. We chat with some of the top leaders in the field and provide resources that will help develop your career in this great industry. I am Josh Liebman. I am obsessed with the guest experience and helping attractions make that their top priority for success. And I'm Matt Heller. I am passionate about organizational effectiveness, leadership development, and employee engagement. Now sit upright, hold on tight, and get ready for the Attraction Pros Podcast. Hey, Matt, how's it going? It's fantastic, Josh. How are All you? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I am doing great. Really excited for our guest today. But first, quick question for you. What is your favorite theme park or attraction sound? Sound. Mm. Wow. That's a tough one. Mm-hmm. There's tough so one. many. There, there are so many. You're right. You're right. Right. You know, I have to say, does it have to be an attraction that's still open? No. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I have to say that um, one of my favorites was at, um, at, um, at the time, what was it called? MGM, Disney MGM, right? Uh, which is now Hollywood Studios. So they had the um, sound effects theater thing and you could go into those little recording booths, right? Yeah. And you put on the headphones and they had something called binaural recording, which is where they had a head and they had microphones in the ears that were like omnidirectional so that you could hear everything like in, in 360 degree um, uh, sound. And you could, there was like somebody cutting your hair and it would feel like they were cutting your hair right behind you. And it was just a really, really cool sonic experience. And from, for a sound nerd, that was, that was really cool. That is a fantastic answer. Thank you. <laughs> I knew you would have something good. Yeah. Do you, do you have a favorite sound? Uh, not nearly as, as cool as yours, but I, I mean, I was going to say, you know, a, a chain link from, you know, from a roller coaster is always, oh, yeah. Yeah, is yeah. always phenomenal. Uh, and also on, I would say on any Intamin launch coaster, particularly top thrill dragster, the sound of the brakes going down, uh, the, the, yep has always been really cool. Now those are, I would say, natural sounds that are produced from those rides directly. But yeah. if we continue on this on this theme from Dragster, once the brakes go down and there's the, there's the visuals, there's kind of the, the Christmas tree lights, red, yellow, green. Once it launches, the, if, if the sound effects aren't on, that train is almost silent. But because of the, you hear like the tires screeching and you, you it, it sounds like, a very noisy car has just taken off. And that's always just been, and, and by the way, if it's like late at night and like most of the other rides are closed, but you know, it's still cycling, you can hear that sound almost anywhere in the park. And yeah. I've always found that to be really, really cool. 
and how that, along with all the other, I would say, artificial sounds and music as well, and the sound effects that you described from, from that uh, sound effect experience, really drives the experience. And I would say directs the guest towards the intended emotional feeling that the designers, the developers are seeking from building rides, attractions, or any immersive experience. And we get to get granular on that today with Brian Yessian from Yessian Music. Um, he goes into all kinds of details, details that I love, as, a, as I said, as, as a sound nerd and as a guy who's got a lot of experience in a recording studio, to hear him talk about the music and the sound effects and how much work and detail goes into creating an immersive sonic experience that I think most people probably take for granted is really, really incredible. Yeah, absolutely. And for someone who does not have nearly the same amount of experience with sound or with mixing, I thoroughly enjoyed learning about the entire process that goes into it and really connecting it to what, you know, what I love talking about a lot, and that is the guest experience. And Brian talks about the emotional reaction that guests get when they get off one of these attractions and being able to see how the guest was able to connect with it without even thinking about the music or even the sound that uh, so many hours were invested into making sure it is exactly Perfect. So we're going to talk all about that today. Uh, so listen up, because let's get straight to this interview with Brian Yessian. Brian Yessian, thank you so much for joining us today on the Attraction Pros podcast. How are you doing today, Brian? I'm doing great. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So excited to jump into this conversation. Uh, you and I have uh, kind of the sound um, background that I'm so excited to talk about. We may nerd out a little bit on that, so I apologize now to the to the audience. But can you talk a little bit about um, Yesi and Music and how you got involved with attractions? Sure. Uh, so our company is actually this is our 50th year in business. My father Dan Yesi started the company in 1971 in a actually renovated bait and tackle store in the the uh, Detroit area. And he had to rip out the fishing bait wells and, and kind of start his little studio. He's a musician. He started out as a jingle writer uh, in the 70s and 80s in uh, Detroit, working for automotive industry and advertising agencies. And um, really kind of focused on that in the Detroit area. And then my brother and I actually got involved probably about 23, 24 years ago now. And uh, I actually never intended to come into the business. I was a classical clarinet player studying music and performing in orchestra, but kind of had that urge and got sucked into what my dad was doing. And for my brother and I, we really wanted to expand the company outside of Detroit. And, and we started into New York and then Los Angeles and Hamburg, Germany, uh, where um, we have a full studio facility in Germany now as well, ha handling all the European market. And uh, it was it was probably about 15 years ago when we were working on a project in Cincinnati, Ohio, of all places, uh, for a local TV commercial. And um, producer there of the, of the project, um, she had a production company. Her name is Anita Doherty. She 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 works at Jack Rouse Associates on, at, at the time on the side, now full time there. And she pulled us into a project for uh, the Fort Siloso Museum in Singapore, uh, creating the music for the film, and really didn't think much about it, didn't really even realize about creating music for attractions or museums or immersive experiences at the time. 
And as we got further into this project, I thought, wow, I wonder if there's more work like this out there because we had worked for longer format films in the automotive industry or reveals of cars. Uh, and you know, lo and behold, there was a really big industry out there for this. So um, she she was really our introduction and and into this industry and brought us uh, into uh, several other projects over the years from Ferrari World in Abu Dhabi to we just finished a project in New York with her for the Friends Experience, Immersive Experience in New York. And, uh, you know, started getting into the IAPA circuit and uh, meeting a lot of people in the industry. And here we are, 15 years later, we're, we're working all over the world on attractions, which has been amazing. And for me, kind of a dream come true because I grew up going to Disney and Universal and always had such an affinity for those parks. So it's uh, pretty exciting. That is really exciting. Thanks for sharing that. So just curious, uh, what are some of the maybe unique elements of producing music and sound for attractions that uh, maybe aren't necessarily as involved with, like I said, feature films or automotive reveals? Uh, I've got to imagine there's a lot of similarities, maybe trying to convey a particular emotion or, you know, kind of deliver that that experience in that same way. So I, I can see there being a lot of similarities. What were maybe some of the things that maybe you hadn't anticipated or, uh, or what were some new elements of that music production and sound design? Yeah, well, you know, you're right. There is, uh, you know, music brings this emotional quality to the film. And whenever we're creating, whether it be for a TV commercial or a automotive reveal or a TV show or a film, uh, we're always trying to enhance the picture and support the picture and then bring some kind of emotional quality to it. Uh, and the, and the, the same is true for themed attraction work as well. However, with themed attraction work, you're, you're taking this idea. And at the time, most things were just in stereo or a 5.1 surround mix. But with themed attractions, we're talking about sound and a whole new level with immersive uh, audio AV systems, uh, surround sound that is not just 5.1 or 7.1, but 32.1 or even beyond because you're working in Dolby Atmos or uh, proprietary type um, um, speaker setups. So we're really trying to take sound to a much more immersive um, level and a more uh, realistic, like a realism level. So you're, when, you, when you step into an environment, you wanna make this environment sound as real as possible so that you're, you're tricking the mind and you're really able to give a full audio perspective of, of this, this attraction. And so um, I think for us, when we came into this industry, the on-site component and on-site mixing and what we have to do in the field became a whole new level for us. And um, I mean, we've learned so much over these years about how that process works and getting into the details and why it's so important to be mixing on-site in the venue because of these environments and immersive qualities that we can bring to the guests. So Brian, can you peel back that onion, as Josh liked to say a little bit, when you talk about mixing- yeah, we in, both do. <laughs> I know, you're right. Um, as you talk about mixing in that environment, because I think probably most people can at least picture a recording studio, right? Where there's yeah. speakers and you've got the console. Um, but it sounds like you're mixing in the environment that people are going to be in. So can you talk a little bit about that? Sure, I mean, when, whenever we start a project and getting into the recording process and the mixing process, we're still in the studio. We're, we're in our, our basic, we have the full console where we have our recording studios where we're uh, recording musicians and singers and uh, uh, different instrumentalists for the project or voiceover actors. 
Uh, and we can take it to a certain level. When you're in a controlled studio environment, sure, it sounds great in there, but when you go to a large warehouse or a queue area that has 30 foot ceilings or a, a theater that is larger than life and, and you just have, you're working with uh, all types of speakers and acoustical treatments, uh, if you just deliver that studio mix into that environment, it's not going to translate because you're in a completely different room. Um, the, the way the, the, the um, acoustics are working in the room are completely different what the, than what the controlled studio environment is. So what we do is we actually take our studio to the location. So we're taking a full Pro Tools rigs with our computers, our outboard sound gear, our software, and setting up in the environment so that we can mix through the AV, AV system and really uh, dial it in so that the acoustics and the sounds and everything that we heard in the studio translates to the actual environment. And it's it's so important. A lot of people don't realize um, how valuable that is and what it brings to the experience. And, um, you know, what we spend, we like to spend as much time as possible on site because that's where the real magic happens and that's where we can bring the attraction to life. Yeah. So for someone who might not know as much about music production or sound production, what's the reason for needing to do that on site versus being able to do it off site and then making sure that the, you know, the hardware and the speaker system and, and all of that is, is set up correctly. What are maybe, I guess, like, what are some of the things that could go wrong if you don't do it on site and being in that environment? Well, you know, uh, one thing is just the hardware itself. We're working with different speaker systems in our studios compared to what's on site. So we really have to make sure that we know what the speaker sounds like, what it's capable of, and what we can, how we can utilize it to its fullest capacity on site. Um, I think a lot of times, um, you know, we like to get involved actually as early in the process as possible and be working with the AV vendor. We find it... Um, really important to kind of know what the system is capable of before we even start composing the music so that it's going to translate the right way. If, if we realize that uh, these speakers are only going to have um, a certain threshold of sound output, then we realize that, God, if we, if we put too much low end in there or too much high end, it's not going to, it's not going to project correctly through the uh, system. Uh, but if we can talk with the AV company and a lot of times we're kind of consulting with them to talk about what are the capabilities, what are our creative intentions for the project, and how can we work together to make sure we have the best possible system for the, uh, for the end, you know, the best end result. Um, so when we go on site, it's really important to dial all of that in and take into account the acoustics of the room, the shape of the room, the way that the guests will move through the room and how do we pull them through that experience by mixing it in the, in the environment. And um, I think overall just having a better and a more immersive guest experience. So are there ways that you simulate having guests in there because people absorb the sound, right? And it might sound different when you get, you know, a hundred people in that room versus having nobody in the room. Yeah. You know, there, there's a lot of testing that has to go into that because you're, you're absolutely right when we're mixing. Uh, and right now we're, we're mixing this attraction here in Pigeon Forge uh, at night, 
when it's very quiet and there's nobody in there, there's nobody talking or making noise because we know when guests get in line, there's a lot of talking, you're, you're close to people, um, you're, the bodies absorb um, that sound. So we have to take that all into account with the levels that we're setting. And then going through kind of a testing process where you know, hopefully on these, on these projects, there's times when they'll do like a, a trial run and bring some guests through and bring some bodies into the, into the environment so that we can listen to it and then make our notes on what needs to be changed or tweaked depending on how the uh, uh, acoustics of the room are reacting to actual physical people in that room as well. Yeah. So once you see the physical space and you know what the parameters are and what the limitations are and what you need to do from, you know, from that production standpoint, what happens next? How do you then know what it is? What is, you know, what is the, the tone? And you mentioned the creative intention earlier. Do you then work with the, the creative team and determine what, you know, where do we want to take the guest on their journey at this particular point in the attraction or if they're walking through the experience to make sure that the actual music and what the guest is now sensing uh, aligns specifically with what the, the overall design and, and the intent, like you mentioned creative intention earlier sure. of what that is supposed to be and, and deliver that output. Absolutely. I mean, we're, we're working with the creative, the content creators and the storytellers and the copywriters and the art directors to understand what is the story? What are we trying to convey? How does it start from the time that people enter the guest experience in the, in the queue area, the retail space, the, the entrance lobby, through the queue? What's the story we're trying to tell? How do we pull people through and and keep that story progressing and moving forward as they move to the queue so that they're getting a full experience from the time that they enter the building or the queue area all the way through to the pre-show, to the safety video, and then to the finally the, the main attraction. So, so really we sit with the storytellers, the content creators, the creative directors, and go through kind of a, what we would call a charrette in the beginning and, and just really kind of uh, dissect everything and, and talk about the story and what, what are we trying to achieve here. And then internally at our place, we start talking with our composing team and our sound designers and how are we going to develop the story around this, uh, this uh, creative that's been um, in, in concept phase. And then it's a lot of trial and error. We start writing things down. We, 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 put, we, we create demos and start giving music styles to the team to review and decide which path we want to take with the music and how are we, how are we going to tell the story. Um, and then at some point, they have to film some of the media first before we can go too far because a lot of what we do from the music side is we're, we're scoring the picture still. We're scoring to their story. So we have to, from a music or a sound perspective, we're supporting the content that we're actually visually seeing. Um, there's also content that we're not visually seeing that we're creating from an audio perspective only. So that, that work can kind of be in process. Uh, and then as we move through the process with, with composition, especially, um, we it's a lot of back and forth and scoring to the film. We, we, we take it kind of step by step with uh, you know, the, the music composition process and then have a, a good um, setup of, of feedback and, and, and um, you know, creating the content and um, seeing it to the final, hopefully a final recording phase as well. So Brian, you mentioned um, you're on site right now at a, at a new attraction. Can you tell us a little bit about that? 
Yes, so uh, we are here in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, working on a new project at the island here, uh, together with Dynamic Attractions, and uh, Craftwork um, is the AV company on this. We are, uh, it's a new attraction, a new fly attraction called Skyfly uh, Soar America. And it's, a, it's, it's America's newest fly ride, which is very exciting for us. And we've had the opportunity to work on several fly rides. I think this is our 15th fly attraction that we've worked on um, around the globe. And uh, one that we're just really excited about because first off, it's, you know, it's, it's uh, here in America. So we get to be in, in our home country working and, and uh, working in a, in a really amazing part of the country that not a lot of people maybe know about. Well, actually, a lot of people do know about it because it's packed. I mean, there are so many people here that come to uh, Pigeon Forge in Gatlinburg, Tennessee to experience um, this area. And it's, it's a beautiful area of the country, right in the middle of the Smoky Mountains. Dollywood's just up the street. And um, yeah, so this is going to be a new standalone attraction at the island. And I think it's going to be something really unique for people in this part of the country. Uh, so we're very excited about it. You mentioned dynamic attractions. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got involved with dynamic? Yes. Yeah, so um, we've been working, I mean, it's funny, we've been working with dynamic, I think, since the very beginning of our attraction work, a uh, good 14, 13, 14 years ago, uh, working on flying theaters with them. And uh, we've never been hired directly by dynamic in the past uh, until this project, but we, they've always been one of our most trusted partners in the industry because, I mean, the, the, the quality of craft, craftsmanship and and what they put into it creatively is um, by far some of the, they, they create some of the best attractions in the world. And uh, working with their teams over the years, we've always had a very close relationship with them because they, they are a company that just really ex respects the audio process and what needs to happen in order to make the attraction really sing, I guess you could say, no pun intended. Uh, and and uh, their teams really um, collaborate with our teams very well. So we've had just a long history of working together with them. And uh, this attraction now that they've kind of gone into dy dynamic entertainment and they're kind of taking over more creative control of the process, we're just very fortunate to be their partner in this project and, um, and being kind of creatively led by their teams there on this one. So Brian, uh, speaking of this uh, project in particular, um, I read that you're using the full Nashville Orchestra, is that correct? That's right, yes. Yeah. Uh, so is that unusual uh, for, for a ride soundtrack to use the full orchestra? You know, it's uh, it's it's not unusual. It is. I mean, it, it adds another cost layer to the project, but I think it's it's a cost layer that just brings so much value to the overall experience. Um, you know, we've had the great fortune of working with a lot of live orchestras around the world for uh, experiences from London to Budapest, Prague, China, uh, Seattle, and uh, it always brings this this higher level of quality and craftsmanship to the music experience. Um, you know, the parks like Disney and Universal Studios, they're using live orchestras for almost every attraction they do. Um, smaller parks, smaller um, uh, experiences might not have the budget for that. And we do a lot of sample orchestral uh, creation for projects all the time. And it turns out great. But when you can bring a live orchestra into the fold, it just it makes a huge impact, uh, especially for the guest experience. And I think the value, the return and in investment in that, um, I think you really can't put a price tag on that because I think it, it brings something so special and this human quality to what we do. In this case, 
we were so fortunate to have the Nashville orchestra players here in the home state of Tennessee and connect that to this attraction. We've worked with Nashville for many years, uh, full orchestras, choirs. Um, I mean, the musicians, it's, it's Nashville. So you just have this, this great um, uh, pick of the world's best musicians. And then working at Oceanway Studios in Nashville, where some of the greatest artists have recorded over, over the years, um, is like the, the, the cherry on the ice cream. So we, um, we're, we're very fortunate for this project to be able to make that connection between the players in Nashville to Pigeon Forge and, the, and this attraction at Skyfly and keep it kind of a home state um, type project. So you mentioned the, the difference in the impact between working with the full orchestra or just producing that offsite in the studio. Can you expand a little bit on, on what really the difference is that would be sensed by, you know, by the guest as well and, and just the overall increase in quality to the final product? Sure. So when we're creating a sampled orchestra, we're, we're basically working in our computer and we, we have great sample libraries that we utilize that we can, we can replicate full orchestra sound. And we're programming all of that in our computer system to make it feel as real as possible. And, and the samples are coming from real players um, from around the world that we are utilizing to kind of put this together. But it's, it's always a bit more, you know, we're talking about computer crafting and working within a system like Pro Tools or Logic that we're composing in. When we get to work with live players, it really brings this sense of humanity, this this um, this expression that and dynamics that you can't compare to um, a sampled library orchestra. And we're recording them. The way we recorded this one, for example, um, you know, we 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 set up the room in the microphones. I was telling someone the other day that the microphones at Oceanway. Um, studios have they have one of the best microphone collections in the world. I mean, vintage microphones, old German microphones that they use, and I, you know, and, and Decatree set up. So Decatrees are 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 arrays of microphones. So you're getting this fully immersive kind of sound experience when we record because we are projecting this through a large channel speaker system and it's supposed to be very immersive so when we can record that way and record the orchestra with microphones there's point source microphones on the individual instruments there's the room tone microphones there's the decatries that are set up and we can create and record in this kind of immersive environment from the from the get-go and so when we can bring that kind of recording quality to an experience like this it's really going and, and then projected through a, a fantastic speaker system here as well. Uh, then we're just taking the quality level to a, a, a very high um, level for the, for the guests. And I think you, you know, just we were sitting in in, in mixing last night in the uh, in the uh, theater, and it's amazing how you can hear the difference of sampled orchestra to live orchestra just through. The speaker system in the theater. Wow, wow, that's really cool. I can, I can kind of feel where you're coming from because you know, as a musician myself, there's there's breath in in a in a real yeah. orchestra, right? That you wouldn't get coming from a from a um, a computer generated one. Even though the song quality might be great, there may be no noise whatsoever, but you don't get the the human quality, like you said. Yeah, and the expression of those musicians. I mean, they, they put so much love and passion into what they do that you really you feel that emotion i think it just heightens the emotions overall 
Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I'm curious about, Brian, is you mentioned earlier that sometimes you're creating a soundtrack for something you don't have visuals for. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. Uh, so, you know, when you're going through a, and I'll use this attraction as an, a great example, because when you walk into this attraction, it's, it's, it's very much this steampunk factory kind of feeling. And so you're going to be, when you walk into the environment, you want to walk into something that feels like a steampunk factory. And so what we're doing uh, when you walk into the lobby of this experience is where you're leaving the island at Pigeon Forge, and we want you to walk into Skyfly now. Not, you're no longer at the island, you're in a new environment. And what we have to do from a sonic point of view is capture your attention, make your mind think that you're no longer at the island. I am now in a steampunk factory. And how do you do that? Just with sound, pure sound, no visuals. And that's what we um, are doing with the sound effects and the music, and we're trying to bring people into this and immerse them into sound where they feel and utilizing the speakers in different ways to mix it into this environment and make them really feel like they've stepped into a completely different place. Mm. And as they walk through the queue area, there is there are visuals that come up uh, through the queue as well. But for as long as possible, before you get to those visuals, you want to use sound to lead the guests and and really trick their mind into thinking that they've they're in a new uh, environment. So it's it's a it's, it's it's a pretty exciting process to be able to use sound, whether it be sound effects, um, music, um, little trigger points, or or things that might happen as you pass by it, just to again make you uh, turn in a, in a certain direction and and keep leading the guests and pulling the guests through the experience. Hmm. It, that is really cool. And, and I enjoy hearing you explain it that way because I feel like it, it makes so much sense uh, kind of when, you know, when you hear it uh, sort of laid out that way. But what about for, I would say, the most passive guests who are going through this and they're not thinking about all the, all the work that was done to, you know, create the, you know, the, the sound specifically for them. And, and I guess the question is, you know, how do you tailor the, the sound and music production towards the, you know, the most passive audience members, the ones who aren't necessarily going to think about it or, or consider it as they're going through the attraction? Well, you know, I think, I think that's one of the tricks actually is we don't want them to think about it. We don't want them to even think about that there's sound um, in a way that um, the guests should not be concerned with how was this created. They should just be in, in the experience and enjoying it. So we don't want them to really think about, um, you know, it's funny, looking back to when I started going to theme parks, I never really thought about, you know, wow, who created the sound or how did this get here? I just know, knew that I loved it and I was having such a great time in the experience. And that's what we really want to do. We want, to, we want the guests just to let go, not have to think about how was something created, but just experience it and, and, um, and, and fall in love with it. So the, the biggest trick for us is for that passive guest or, or the people that don't want to really get into the, the science of what happened here, how was this created, just to feel an emotional connection. And that's kind of the trick with sound is how do we connect with a broad array of guests? Because I mean, there's guests that are going to be really into how everything was created. There's going to be guests that are very passive. Uh, there's going to be guests that have different um, um, 
affinities for for music or for sound and you know sound is one of the most subjective parts of the process everyone has a different um love or hate for what they hear whether it be a, a style of music or a, a certain type of sound effect that might really bother rub someone the wrong way or someone that really loves a certain sound so we have to kind of take all of that in, into consideration and, and really um share what we're creating with various sample groups in a way to make sure that what we're creating is going to appeal to a, a broad audience. Brian, can you go back and talk to us a little bit about some of that inspiration uh, that you had? What were some of those earlier experiences that you said, wow, this is so cool. And this is what I want to do. Uh, you know, so uh, going back, I, I remember, uh, well, you know, for, for, for Disney, uh, one of my favorite experiences was just, you know, throughout Epcot and, and, uh, you know, I always have, I have such an affinity well, for music, but also for culture and travel. So I was kind of the Disney experience for me was all around Epcot and how you could go to all those different countries and experience, um, and, and the rides and the, the attractions that were in those different countries and how the music changed. And the music is a big part of making those environments feel like, I'm in Mexico now, I'm in Japan now, I'm in France now. And um, I mean, Disney, they're, they're the masters at, at, at doing that and making you really immersed in the, in the experience. And um, so, you know, when I kind of learn more about the attraction industry and, and being able to mix music, what I, my one passion, and then culture and travel, my other passion, now, you know, luckily I've been able to see the globe and we've worked all over the, the world on various attractions and connecting with cultures. Um, I think that's really that's really helped us grow in this industry more as well. But uh, I would say, you know, Disney was my first experience in the, in the theme park world and, and really being immersed in it, in um, attractions and um, and music was a big part of that because they were able to really pull you into those environments without you really thinking too much about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, you, you kind of brought that full circle there. They're saying that they, you bring them, they bring you into those environments without you thinking of it. So it kind of ties into what we were talking about before of kind of the, the guest, you know, going through the experience and just feeling that connection without necessarily thinking about it. Uh, one of the things that you were telling us earlier too, uh, you know, even before we started recording are those really small details, not necessarily yeah. even the, the music component, but certain small sound effects of the process that uh, require a huge investment of, of time and resources that maybe they go by so quickly. Um, and maybe the, maybe the guest notices, maybe if they, if they look away or if their phone rings or something like that, then it, you know, it just, they, they might overlook it. Yeah. What are some of the minor details uh, that you love that guests might might take for granted or might not, uh, you know, might overlook? Yeah, you know, there's a, there's a couple of things. I was just thinking of, a, of another actually, and you know, talking about the queue and and how you you don't want to um, or how you want to immerse guests and and not really have them think too much about what's happening behind the scenes. But when we're in the say a queue line and we're trying to get certain sounds to um, maybe pull someone in a certain direction or sound a certain way. We're up on ladders, even adjusting speakers and trying to do little little details of movement with the equipment even just to um, make sure that as guests are in the queue that they're getting the best experience from a sound perspective. Um, last night we were in the theater, I think it was about one, one o'clock in the morning or so mixing and um, you know we were focusing only on 
the sound effects of the main show. And uh, Scott Catenio, our, our main audio mixer in on the on the show, um, was sitting there. And we were focusing on fireworks for about a good three hours, I think, last night, and really just getting all the details of these fireworks and everything from the trail, the whistle sound, the little sparks, the the boom when it when it explodes, and then the aftermath of of the of the sparks flying down. And working on all of those little details with the sound, um, and then pointing them in different speakers so that when you're seeing it on the screen visually, you're and you see a firework explode over here, you're going to hear it over here. So even if you're on the other side of the ride vehicle, you're going to know that that sound and that firework is associated with that sound over on that side of the screen. So it's it's move the movement of the sound across the screen and trying to get all of those details as accurate as possible because. You don't, the last thing you want is someone to feel like they're not connecting to the visual and to the sound. And that can easily happen if you just have fireworks in a array spread around you and, and you're not really hearing how, how it would be in the real world. Because if you're going to fireworks somewhere and you're watching a display, you hear where those fireworks are exploding, you hear the sound. So we're trying to um, replicate that and make it as real as possible so that so that the guests don't think about it. You, you, the last thing we want them to do is disconnect from the experience. And so we have to do everything in our power from a detailed audio mix to make them feel like they're completely connected. Yeah, I would think that, you know, with all that detail and the, you know, um, uh, attempt to be so immersive that one small thing could really jar people out of that sense of immersion, right? Absolutely. So you've got to be really careful. Um, for, for context, you said you worked on, on, those, on those fireworks for about three hours. Yeah. Can you tell us about how long it is in the show? Like how much we're experiencing? Is it, is it two minutes oh, that we're no. working on? That you're... No, no, no. We're talking about um, 10 seconds. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, so yeah, we're, we we get it really detailed. I mean, the, the full show is around um, uh, seven minutes or so. So, um, so yeah, we're we're dealing with seconds here, but we'll spend hours on those seconds to make them accurate. Yeah, yeah. So, what are you doing during during those hours? Is it is it like just looking at specifically that point in time and making sure that it lines up specifically with yeah, you know, it's like that. every like, every firework that happens and there's there's a lot of them i mean we're 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 singling out every firework that happens in there so we're giving it its own dedicated time to make sure that the the whistle the trail the sparkle the boom for each one is accurate and, and we're that, that, you know, across the board, I mean, every scene, not just fireworks, but it could be, um, it could be wind, it could be water, it could be movement in the trees and just the sound of those trees rustling and how you make it feel real and focusing on all, all the details of those trees. And then for every one of those effects or, or, you know, pieces of music, you've got to listen back to it, right? You make, you make a tweak and then you've got to listen back and make sure, is that quite right? And then, you know, right. do that so many different it, that's what takes time right and then you have to play it in context with everything so once we get we work on all those individual fireworks now you have to play all the fireworks together to make sure are they still all working and coinciding together well and uh so it's it's a lot of you know trial and error last night we only focused on sound effects for the for the entire main show so we were only working on sound effects tonight we're going to go back in and we're really just going to focus on music for the next couple of nights and then now, then we have to bring the music and the sound effects together to get the balance right and make sure it's all feeling consistent and uh, cohesive. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Brian, you mentioned earlier of working with the creative teams and working with multiple other partners as well. Um, you know, one of the things you mentioned of, of the sound effects is something like wind. Well, if you hear wind, you're probably also feeling it as well. So what, you know, what's that process like of, of working with, uh, maybe it's working with dynamic attractions or kind of those other, you know, suppliers or those other uh, designers to make sure that the sound, that your goals and their goals are matching specifically to the full creative goal of the project. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, that's that's such a big component of what we do on, a, on an attraction like this because the special effects and the movement of the ride vehicle uh, are all really important to uh, work together well with the sound. So unlike doing a traditional movie film, uh, we're dealing with not just a visual, but also movement in a ride vehicle, special effects with water spraying, wind coming down, the sense of different environments. So it could be um, a pine scent or an ocean scent uh, that, that sprays out at you as well. And uh, this is all part of the early process in looking at the script and the intentions of, of what's going to happen. How might the movement happen? When we see the visual, we have to imagine as we're composing and as we're creating what the ride vehicle movement might be so that we can also um, create emotional or connected experiences to the movement of the ride or the special effect of the ride. And, you know, there's a section where we're going to be passing over Niagara Falls. And, you know, this is a, a really big moment and the, and the creative team really wanted to make sure that this was very heavy and bold feeling because it's Niagara Falls. And you have to be careful with sound because a lot of times waterfalls can sound like white noise if you don't do it <laughs> properly. And this is, you know, we've, we've heard it so many times in different places around the world where it just sounds like someone's putting white noise through instead of the, the getting some of the details of the water in there. And then you're gonna have probably special effects happening with, with spraying at that moment too. And uh, that mist feeling. So there's not just the, the Niagara Falls moment, but there's also, we need to kind of create the sound to coincide with the, the spray mist that's happening over you as well. So there's like a, a lighter um, sound on top of the, uh, happy uh, uh, waterfall sound. So there's a lot of details in kind of making the sound work together with not just the visual, but also the movement and the special effects. Yeah. So Brian, um, think to think forward to the, the final product, right? Yeah. And you've got it all working together. What does that sound like? What does it feel like for you? Oh God, it's, 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 um, it's an amazing experience. At, at that point, that's where I just want to keep riding and riding and riding because I, I just can't get enough of it. And then I hate to leave because I miss it so much because, you know, when you when you when you finally, you know, work down a project for this long and all these little components come together and it finally comes to a point where you see the, the visuals playing, the music's playing, the ride vehicles moving and everything's happening and working and sounding great. And then you get people in there riding and you see their expressions. That for me, um, I, I kind of tear up every time I see that because watching people and, and their their mouths open and their jaws drop and their screams and their excitement um, is probably one of the most fulfilling experiences you can ever have. You know, when we're working in film or TV commercials, we never see what an audience might say or see for that matter. But when you're doing theme attractions and and you know you're changing someone's life, you're you're giving them an experience like they've never had before. Um, that's that's it right there for me. 
Well said. Yeah, I, I can only imagine how how cool that must be to watch the the guests and the audience coming off of that, and being able to see that live reaction in the moment right there, and and like you said, that life changing experience for them, and that uh, that you played a part in that. So. Uh, really cool. Uh, this has uh, just been really enjoyable to be able to chat with you today. Uh, so Brian, if people wanted to know more about Yesi and music or get a hold of you directly, where would you send them? Absolutely. Uh, so our website, www.yesian.com uh, is where we're at. And uh, you, can, you can check out a lot of our work on our website there from all types of work that we do, but we do have a special kind of entertainment, themed entertainment uh, section of our site and actually launching a brand new website here uh, in the coming month. So I'm going to have a, a lot of great content of uh, experiences and attractions that we've done around the world. So um, and then, you know, we're we're located in various cities, too, where we're, we have studios in uh, New York, Detroit, Los Angeles and Hamburg, Germany. Excellent. Well, Brian, again, like like Josh said, this has been a fascinating conversation, especially for me as a as a former and kind of amateur audio engineer. I just love getting into the, the granular details of this stuff. So thank you so much for your time. And for everybody out there watching and listening, just remember, we are all Attraction Pros. Thanks for listening to the Attraction Pros podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you can tune in when new episodes release. And even better, please leave us a review on iTunes. For more information, visit attractionpros.com.